While the city's population is less than a million, 20 million more are coming to visit, and they put a visible strain on Amsterdam every year. They range from family groups to budget backpackers to stag party revelers. Amsterdam has been a magnet for the world and the worldly ever since its 17th century golden age. Local tour guide Ellen Janzing joins us now to examine the impact the crowds are having on Amsterdam. Thanks for being here, Ellen. Thanks for having me, Rick. What's it like in Amsterdam right now? It's a brilliant city. It's a vibrant city. It's a very popular city. It's um, a tolerant city. And this is attracting very many people and very many tourists. It's not a development that's on its own because you see it all over Europe. Mm -hmm. There are many places struggling with the burden of mass tourism, like Venice, like Dubrovnik, like Barcelona, Mm -hmm. and Amsterdam too. But Amsterdam is different in that it's one of the smaller capitals of Europe. Yeah. It's it's like comparable to Copenhagen and Dublin and Amsterdam. They're the smallest capitals in Europe. So 800,000 inhabitants. But the burden of tourism has increased exponentially the past decade. When you see in 2010, there were 5 million tourists. Mm-hmm. And last year, 2018, so eight years later, 18 million. 18 million tourists in Amsterdam. Now, you walk down the main street, Damrak. It's a stately street. But now the businesses are there really to cater not to the locals, but to the tourists. Yes. You see uh, Hooters, you see Hard Rock Cafe, you see a sex museum, and you see cheese shops. Right, yeah. Do do the local people just say, well, that's for the tourist, I'll go to another street? Well, that's the problem. Local shops have to go away, and so the locals cannot buy the groceries that they need. They can't survive on cheese and chocolate. They have... That's need of a cucumber every now and then. Um, so um, that's a problem. And the city council is trying to influence that by the licenses that they're giving to so shops. So they can shape the, uh, yes. the, the what's being sold The monoculture. They can yeah. change the monoculture around. They do no longer license those monoculture shops. So little knickknacks for tourists. Yeah. So yeah. they're trying In to the protect problem- it that way. problematic areas. Uh, what are some other examples of what the, the city council might be doing? I understand there's some concern about uh, the vehicles on the canals, the boats. Yes, they are influencing, uh, trying to curb a recreational traffic on the canals. Because, because you can rent a little paddle boat and that's just And like, have a big party there and go right. drunk and just yep. uh, shout and be noisy and misbehave and uh, whatever. So they're trying to curb that. They're trying to curb the pressure of crowds. They're they're trying crowd management, really, in the red light district, for instance, which is a concentration area, which is very small. Yes, you got like four or five uh, lanes on the canals that are the, quote, red light district, and where you've got all the red lights of the prostitutes. And uh, a a generation ago, this was kind of a no-go zone. It was a sailor's quarter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it had a lot of hard drug problems and a lot of prostitution. Now it's sort of uh, cutesy. It's gentrified, and all the tour groups are going there. It's almost like a theme park. Yeah. (laughs) Which is horrible to to (laughs) say. But, uh, you know, in in the olden days, you had the sailors coming into the port and just heading into the city and... You know, so that was going the ultimate sailor's quarter. quarter. It, it was. Yeah. It was. And of and course then, you had the, the prostitutes there. Yeah, yeah. And now you have the cruise liners uh, mooring in the port and all those tourists from the cruise liners. And everybody's making a beeline there. for the RLD, the red light yes, district. Yes, yes, And it's a very small area where, which is very confined. So let's think, Americans are kind of going, what, a red light district? We can't. But in, in, in Europe, there's a pragmatic harm reduction approach to uh, some of these challenges that a society has. 
there's going to be prostitution. And in the Netherlands, you want to take the crime out of the equation, uh, try to let uh, sex workers run little businesses. Exactly. Uh, What is the pragmatic approach to prostitution in the Netherlands? Well, it was legalized in 2000, although officially it was brothels that were legalized. Prostitution already was uh, sort of legal individually, but brothels were legalized in 2000 just to try and uh, get a grip on the industry as and, it were. And you don't want streetwalkers. We want people running businesses exactly. in, in places of business. And you want to cut out the crime, uh, the middleman, the criminal. So the, the idea criminal. is if a, if a prostitute has a, a, a dangerous client and she pushes her emergency button, she's rescued by a policeman she's, rather yep. than a pimp. Yep. Does it really work that way? The agencies that let out the windows mm-hmm. have an obligation to be at the window Within five minutes. Oh, is that so? You within rent you rent minutes. a little window uh, with the red lights and everything, and they've, there's a, a little a bedroom in the back and so on. If they've got a problem, the landlord has an obligation to be there. Yes. So actually, they've got all these people patrolling the area. Yeah. So actually, you could say that the red light district is the safest area in the city. Well, yeah. you know, the, the Netherlands has this idea of everybody watches everybody else. So you've got, uh, yeah, there's a reality there. Social control. There. Social yes, control. Yes, yes, you know, nothing's there. in the dark. Nothing's hiding. <laughs> yeah. It's all right there in your face. It's all right there in the open. And yeah. the sex workers are unionized? Yep. It's all uh, regulated. So they have... There's an obligation to use condoms. So, and are you checked so you're not spreading diseases before yep. you get your, your license or whatever? Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then they're trying to run a business, but what they have is thousands of cruise travelers coming in and just gawking. So yep. this must yep. be a frustration. Well, but it is a frustration because what you get is Amsterdam, like I said, is a tolerant city. You have this pragmatic approach, but this tolerance is under threat because of the mass tourism. We have a very uh, non-restrictive, non-authoritative manner of policing. But when all these people come in, you need more restrictions and you need more control. So this is a challenge. So this is really a challenge. How can they preserve the tolerant attitude while keeping and, excesses under control. And there is a pragmatism. A lot of Americans are into uh, just moralizing and um, and legislating morality, and they would just say, no, there's no prostitution. Well, there's going to be prostitution, whether you like it or not. Yep, yep. And in the Netherlands, the idea is, let's take the disease out of it, let's take the crime out of it, let's regulate it, and that's a different way, but it's it's still complicated. Let's take human trafficking out of it. But it's very, it's still very complicated to get a grip on it. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Ellen Janssing. She's a Dutch tour guide, and she's giving us an insight into some of the challenges we have today in the tourism industry, which is thriving in Amsterdam. So, Ellen, if somebody is thinking of visiting the red light district, you have to decide when you want to go. Yeah. Uh, yep. what, what would your decision Depends what you, be? Depends what you want to see. Okay, so what are your <laughs> options? What would you say? Uh, what are, you op- are your options? If you want to get an idea of this neighborhood where everything comes together, where people are living, where people do their shopping, where people take their children to daycare, and where you have uh, sex workers behind the windows, um, your best bet would be to go on a morning. Right. In the morning, because in the morning... There's a famous daycare center right there next to the church. Exactly, right there. And then there. there's the, there's the windows with the prostitutes. Yes, they, and they in are In the morning, the, the moms are taking their little kids to the daycare center, and uh, yep. the girls are setting up shop, and the policeman's yep. walking down the yep. street, and the church bells are ringing. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, all together, all together. <laughs> and this, is, this, this you can get when you go on a morning, but say from lunchtime it gets busier and busier, and if you want to get all the sleaze and you want to get all the rowdy people and all the people that are 
off their face with whatever they've used. And yeah. huh? you go on a Friday or a Saturday night. So Friday or Saturday, it's going to be yep. thriving, yep. sort of what you'd expect, yep. maybe. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Ellen Yansing, and we're talking about tourism in Amsterdam. Our phone number is 877-333-7425, and our email is radio at ricksteves.com. Anne-Marie has emailed us from Philadelphia, and Anne-Marie writes, What can the United States learn from Amsterdam about marijuana tourism and the economy around it as we just start to dip our toe into this industry? Well, that is interesting because I think it's been 25 years since anybody was arrested for marijuana in the Netherlands, and you've got um, these coffee shops. Right. Now, in the Netherlands, marijuana is not legal, and you haven't figured out the backside, what you call the gray area, so where it's wholesaled and where it's produced, that's kind of like, just don't tell me about that, but it's basically a cottage industry that Mm -hmm. the police don't enforce, but it is sold quasi-legal in these coffee shops. Um, How is that working in the Netherlands right now? It becomes a legal substance as soon as it is in the coffee shop. So it's legal to sell it on the premises of a coffee shop, but it's illegal as soon as it, when it arrives. When it arrives. Yes. So that is a very gray area. But the government is now trying out uh, new legislation to get that side legalized as well. So you know, it's interesting because you were ahead of us for a long now time. Now you are ahead of now us. Now we're ahead of you exactly. because we have dealt with what the Dutch called the gray yeah. area. Yeah. How do yeah. you how do you wholesale it? How do you uh, produce it? Yeah. How do you regulate it? Exactly. And you started from scratch we started, and yeah. put up a whole system in place and we just got it together higgledy-piggledy and we ended up with a system which has and gray I, area. I think your system originated because you had a real serious hard drug problem. Exactly. Yeah. In, the, in the sailor's abuse. day, heroin, heroin abuse. and the Dutch 20 years ago decided, let's take the marijuana out of the equation. That's just a soft drug like alcohol. Yeah. We'll let people sell it in these little pubs, and we'll deal credibly with the heroin problem and the opioid epidemic that you had, and, and it's it been worked. successful. It worked, because when I was growing up, there, were, there was a huge problem with heroin addicts, right. and they just disappeared. And they, today, they that no-go no zone, I remember there was a place called... Uh, needle bridge or something like that and the police didn't even go there was the domain of the junkies yes today it's got cute little shops and and uh, hotels yes yes no it's it's just a very open area and you've got the coffee shop in the corner where they sell marijuana yeah and the police they they're thankful that the people who want to experiment with soft drugs can do it there and the police are looking out for the hard drug problem and they're doing it with some compassion yes and the addicted population is getting smaller and aging Yes, we yes. The heroin that. addicts that are there are, are very senior citizens by now. So it's interesting. We're all learning from each other at a persistent problem that is not yeah, just going to be yeah. wished away. What I love about the American legalization of soft drugs is that you now also have all these lotions and potions and creams. Yeah. And, we well, that's, have that. that's part of the trick is to, to, to make it less sexy for the kids. You see, grandma's rubbing it on her elbow now. Yeah. So uh, it's all it's all we're learning from yeah. each other. Uh, now, you know, in the Netherlands, we're talking about the crowds, and you've got all of these crowds coming in to see. They kind of gawk at the sex trade, at, at the coffee shops and so on. But there's also a lot of tourists just coming in to see the great sights. In Amsterdam, you've got the Rijksmuseum, you've got the Van Gogh Museum, and, Frank, the line is around the block all day long. What's your advice, Ellen, for travelers coming into the Netherlands, coming into Amsterdam, and enjoying these sights, realizing that, hey, there's tens of millions of people from countries that now have a huge middle class, India and China and so on, that are coming to the Netherlands and they all want to see Anne Frank. Mm-hmm. There's physically not enough hours in the day and not enough square feet in that house yep. to fit everybody. Yep. What yep. do we do? True. Plan your trip. That's the only good advice that I can give because all the tickets for the Anne Frank house, for instance, but mm-hmm. also for the museums, 
are available online and you get a slot awarded. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to queue. You have your ticket for that slot. You can stay on as long as you want, but it's just the time that you need to enter. Okay, um, so Van Gogh, Rijks, Anne Frank, all of these you can book online. All online available. And if you just stumble up to the door the same day, it's your problem. You will have to queue and for a long time. A long time. You'll yep. spend several yep. hours of your day yep. waiting yep. to get in. And I think the Anne Frank house has now very limited uh, selling at the door. Mm-hmm. So most of their tickets are sold um, are You know, sold my philosophy in, in my guidebooks is don't even tell people how you can get tickets at the door. No, you know, make no. It, It's tough love. Get it online yep. and you won't yep. be frustrated. Right now on Travel with Rick Steves, Dutch tour guide Ellen Janzing is helping us to be respectful tourists in the increasingly popular city of Amsterdam. Eric is calling from Colorado Springs. Eric, thanks for your call. Thank you. Am am I on? You are so on. You can't (laughs) believe it. Oh, excellent. So I am a uh, high school teacher and high school counselor, and I, um, with a larger group, I am bringing uh, 12 high school students to Amsterdam. And I just wanted to get a few uh, tips from you on, we want to experience the culture, but I'm not sure I want them to experience the entirety of the culture. Right. <laughs> and then also any must-see, we're, we're in Amsterdam uh, four and a half, five days. Hmm. So any tips for traveling with students and then any tips for you must see this. Wow. Eric, I mean, for you to be a teacher bringing a group of high school kids to Amsterdam for five days, you are one courageous teacher. (laughs) It's part of a northern France and a little bit more of a trip, but um, Amsterdam is a big part, and I've never been before. It's it's an amazing experience for kids, and I really find it to be a wonderful classroom for Americans to see an alternative in a smart and thoughtful and pragmatic way to deal with social problems that we're dealing with here. And for years, I've taken groups, I would go at an off hour, like Ellen was talking about in the morning, you can walk through the red light district and talk about this issue and talk about it from a, uh, a health point of view and a, and, a, and a morality point of view or, or a pragmatic uh, public affairs point of view. You're from Colorado Springs, right? That's, that's Colorado. You've yes. got legal recreational marijuana, so it's, it's, it's yes. not that big a deal. You can go into a coffee shop, and I find the guys who run the coffee shops enjoy sharing their experience with American teachers. And, and you could drop into one and for a few minutes just have a Q&A time yep. with your students, and that would, be, that would make it not a white, what do you call it, a, a white elephant, but something you're, you're grappling with honestly, and then your kids won't yes. be thinking this is the forbidden fruit. If you do that in that case, I would go for a small-scale coffee shop and not one of the big oh, yeah. chains because there are even big chains, like the Bulldog is a very big yeah, chain coffee shop, but that is like... A, a little neighborhood place. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, Ellen, what, what other uh, ideas would you have for a school teacher to get the most out of their time in the Well, um, there's a new attraction, which is um, uh, on the north side of Amsterdam, which is now the area that is being redeveloped. So you can just um, go to Central Station, to the back of Central Station, there's the body of water that is I, which used to be the open access to the sea for the trading ships. And you can cross that by ferry, which is free for pedestrians and cyclists. You can just cross it. So it's a nice local experience to do that. And then on the other side, you have the Eye Film Museum. But now next to it, you have the Amsterdam Tower. And that used to be the Shell headquarters. But if you go in there, you can go all the way to the top of the building. 
and then you have a lovely view of the of the city with all interactive screens telling you where's what and it's a beautiful view and you've got a swing on top of the uh, ceiling so there. correct me if I'm wrong here Ellen but you could rent bicycles in Amsterdam and take your bikes onto that free ferry that yes. goes across the river yes and then you land at the new big uh, theater where you're talking about mm-hmm. and you can go in there and see a, a movie or check out the art yep. and then nearby you have the tower Yep. And then from there, you could bike, and in 20 minutes, you're in the polderland. Exactly, yes. And that's, and that's in the countryside. Good... There you're going to be, like, wishing you had your wooden shoes. Yep, and that's a good way to, <laughs> to do biking with a group, because if you're doing that in the city center, no, you, you'll be right. stuck in traffic. But, but, but five minutes behind the train station where you can yeah, rent your bikes, you, yeah. get, you get on that ferry. It's a commuter ferry, and you feel so local because you're just crowding onto this little ferry with a bunch of locals yep. with their bicycle. And then literally in a few minutes, you're, you're out in the countryside. That sounds like a perfect idea. We like doing the more local things than just the giant uh, touristy things. So, Two museums I would put on your list, and I'll let Ellen explain them, the Tropics Museum and the Dutch Resistance Museum. Yeah. Do you know that, what is it called, the Tropen Museum? Tropen Institute. Yeah, that's a fascinating place. Yes, yes. It's all about the um, colonial heritage, colonial, really, yeah. from, from the Dutch history. And it has all kinds of artifacts from all over the world. And it's it's uh, historic, and it makes for a very interesting visit because it puts colonialism into today's perspective and all the problems surrounding it. And with all the hype around Anne Frank, I think you get a better look at the Holocaust, really, or the, the whole Nazi experience in the Netherlands by going to the Dutch Resistance Museum. Yep, I agree with you there. Yeah, No crowds, designed for student groups. Yes, and it gives you... Uh, Anne Frank is, of course, famous because Anne Frank is such a, such a symbol, Anne Frank, mm-hmm. But um, the Resistance Museum paints the broader picture mm-hmm. and gives you intimate stories of people who actually received the letter to go on transport. And you see people preparing for that as if it was going to be a happy outing. You see mm. families, uh, they have uh, footage, video footage, and you see families sewing uh, socks because they need to pack them because they're going and on transport. And suffering through the tulip winter when there was no food and you have a whole yep. generation wow. of people who are shorter. So many powerful experiences. Eric, uh, thank you for uh, <laughs> taking a group of young American students over to the Netherlands. They're going to have a trip of a lifetime. Oh, you bet. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been talking about Amsterdam and the challenges Amsterdam has as its tourist industry is thriving. And we've been joined by Ellen Janzing. Ellen, dank u wel. Graag gedaan. Tootsins. <laughs> That's all my Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Each year, Rick Steves tour guides take thousands of free-spirited travelers on escorted tours through Europe, one small group at a time. This year, you can choose from more than 40 different vacations in Europe's best destinations, from Ireland to Greece, and practically everywhere in between. Begin your next trip at ricksteves.com.